Welcome to the Sword and Staff. I'm your host, Josh Robinson, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Richie Brock. And on today's Chinwag edition of the Sword and Staff, it feels like that we've not done a Chinwagon forever. Right. It really does. <laughs> we got off on that one week, and we've not done a Chinwagon forever. But anyway, on this week's edition of the Sword and Staff, our Chinwag edition, Richie and I are going to be reflecting on our series that we just finished up on re-enchantment and then after that we're going to be having a discussion on the topic of hope it's which is one of the theological virtues um which we'll we'll get into and talk about a little bit more but richie how you feeling today pal oh i'm excited i'm ready for actually both the episodes we're going to be recording today yeah we should be recording a second episode today with ward heine from dark holler uh we're going to be talking about the film and kind of some of the things leading up to the film some of the discoveries in the film and for the uncut section that we're going to release for that episode we're going to be releasing that in october uh we're going to talk about how some of the things from the film has kind of come full circle and are still going on today in some way so should be a really interesting episode whenever we get around to releasing it and so i'm really looking forward to that conversation today as well so but uh on today's Chinwag edition, we'll start off by just kind of reviewing and reflecting on our series that we just finished up on Reenchantment. So we did three episodes in that series, right? And so we did Reenchanting the Heavens, we did Reenchanting the Creation, and then we did Reenchanting the Church. So I'll kind of start us off. So I really enjoyed this series. <laughs> like, I did too. Yeah. I really enjoyed the series, and we actually got quite a bit of feedback uh, from it. We we got comments on on Patreon and and stuff like that. Um, but uh, people were asking things like, "Hey, where can we get some like nice, high quality, you know, versions of the church calendar?" Right. And, yeah. And some of that stuff. So we're still. I'm still kind of looking into some of this stuff, and I'll tell you what. Like, uh, so I've never actually had a physical version of the church calendar. Um, I would like to have one. I think that would be really handy. And I think that's what uh, one of our patrons was, was asking for. I've been using for years, uh, an app, um, for the 2019 book of common prayer. Um, I've had that on my phone for two years now and, and have been recommending it to, to other people. And so, I've never actually had a physical copy of it, but I'm thinking now after that comment that I should look into a copy of it. Definitely need to get one. But uh, for those of you guys who are listening, who was also kind of in that boat, uh, looking for uh, ways to keep up with the church calendar and stuff, um, I'll actually give you a resource that um, that I've been using. So it's called the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. So, um, oh, gotta find it here. Uh, Hold on. Got to find it here on my phone real quick. So if you go to dailyoffice2019.com, it will actually, you can, you can actually, uh, you do that in your web browser. Now I think that, I think that if you have an iPhone, I think it actually has an app. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it does. I just scrolled to the bottom of the page. So I don't have iOS. I have an Android phone. So. Boo, I can't get it on as an app. You can get it as an app on your phone because yeah. you have an iPhone. But um, it's uh, but if you have an Android phone, you can go to it on your web browser and you can uh, actually set it as like an app on your home screen. And that's, that's what I've done for several years now. But the thing that I love about the daily office is there's, they, there's, there's a couple of things. So one of the things, Richie can see this, you guys can't. But so it, it tells you, so it's got four prayer offices on it. So if you're looking at the bottom of the page, you've got a morning prayer office, so you can read through the the prayer 
that's there for um, in the morning. There's a midday one, which we're at right now. Um, it's midday prayer office. But then there's an evening prayer office, and then there's a late night one called Compline. And so, but the things that I love about it is I love the prayer offices, but I love that it also has a section here where it tells you the date, and it tells you um, what church season that you're in and yeah. what the color for the year is or for the season is. So right now we are in the season of ordinary time after Pentecost. So the color for Pentecost is red, obviously yeah. fire, you know, that whole thing. But we are on the Thursday after the 18th Sunday uh, after Pentecost or the 17th Sunday after Trinity, uh, Trinity, which is proper 21. Um, but um, it also tells you here um like it'll give you little notes here on the bottom and it'll tell you if there's a feast day or anything like that today. And so we've got Jerome, the monk of Bethlehem, the translator of the Bible for 20. Like, so that's uh, it's really interesting. So it kind of keeps you in the loop, you know, and for a lot of people, that's, that's not like common knowledge to most evangelicals, right? right? Yeah. Like feast days and stuff like that. Like for the most part, like we've really just kind of give up on anything like that. But that's what I lo- love about this app. Like, is it, it, it shows you like the colors for the year. Yep. That's it. Yep. You got it. Did you download the app? Yep. Yeah. You've got it. Um, that, it, it looks identical to mine. So I've yep. never seen it on iOS before, but, uh, what was it you typed in to find it? So you uh, can, just daily office. And it was the first one daily office. Yeah. So if you, if you have an Android, you can just type in daily office, 2019.com and set it up as an app like that. But here's another feature that I love about this. So what I love about it is there, if you see here at the top, I don't know if it's like that on yours, but here on mine, it says looking for shorter service, go to the family prayer site. Yep. So it, it takes you to another site, which is dailyoffice2019.com backslash family. And so what it does is it gives you an abbreviated version of the prayer offices for, so for your family. So for, yep. Okay, so it's on yours too. Okay, excellent. So for somebody like me, who's got a wife and a daughter who yeah. like has no patience at all, <laughs> like um, that really works for us. Like it's it's a really good opportunity for us to uh, sit down, be able to pray together, you know that kind of thing. And like the other one takes a little bit of time, like yeah. the 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 the, uh, the regular version, but um, but the family one is nice. I really really enjoy it. But, um, but yeah, so that's, so we'd had some people ask that question, like how can we follow the church calendar and what are some resources? That's one of the resources that I would give you. Um, still looking for other resources out there, looking for some nice calendars out there that may be out there. So we'll keep you guys posted on some of that. But, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this series. It it was, uh, I felt like the application was really pointed and that seems to be the thing that people responded to a lot like we had people talking about like yeah like we should be christians who are creating art and like we should be creating stuff like that you know what i'm saying um and a lot of artists and stuff have come out and messaged us after this series after yeah the series debuted. yeah so that was really cool how we like one of our patrons asked if we um if if with sword and staff we could create a type of artist community for people to kind of kind of give a place for people who share this same worldview as we do to create art and maybe create an avenue for people to share art and to, to tell about the art that we create. And it's so funny that people that like that came up because we were talking about this back, like at the beginning of the summer, like that one, one of the, the best ways 
I don't want to go down this rabbit hole right now. Like, <laughs> we might as well. I mean, well, let's go. You know, I, you know, I, I feel like that one of the things that I hate about the, just the evangelical culture that we're in is the art that we make is terrible. Yeah. We make terrible, terrible art. And a lot of it is because we have a terrible, terrible worldview. Exactly. And, um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why we're not, you, you know, if you look back through the history of the church, um, the church was very influential in culture making. And the reason why was because we created amazing art. Like if you go back and if you look through a lot of the museums in the world, like the great museums, and you see the art there, a lot of that was created by Christians, right? I mean, like go to Rome, go to the Sistine Chapel, right? Like that's be- that's beautiful art. Right. Um, it's the same thing with, with music. You know, if you look back at, you know, through a lot of uh, the, the the great hymns, and not just hymns, but just music over the centuries, a lot of it was created by artists in the church. Yeah, you know? just classical music in general is really themed and centered around the church life. Yeah. And so, you know, it's you even had, uh, you know, famous people like... Um, I think it was uh I think it was maybe I can't remember what one it was now but it was either Mozart or Beethoven. Uh, music's not my world. So yeah. forgive me. Uh but one of the, I can't remember what one it was. I'd have to go back and look. But one of them would actually write SDG at the bottom of the works that they would create for Soli Deo Gloria. Yeah. Right to God alone be the glory. Um and we just it seems like now that like we're the way that the church creates art, we're actually mimicking the materialistic art that the world is creating. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, our music sounds very much the same. Like it, it doesn't sound like that I've entered into heaven. Right. right? And if you listen to something like, uh, Miserare Medeos, uh, Medeos by, um, like the Tenebrae, Tenebrae choir, it's like you just entered into heaven, right? Like it's, it, there's something enchanted about that. And so people were starting to get that in the sword and staff community. Yeah. And so they're looking for outlets to create art. And we've been talking about this for a long time that we wanted to see art um, created and, and shared. And we wanted to see people, you know, really embody this worldview that we're talking about. So we're talking about that a little bit more, right? We're, we're maybe we're, we're thinking about, we've not like ironed anything out on this, but we're thinking about maybe one of the practical things that we can do is maybe do something like a monthly Zoom meeting for patrons or something like that who are art creators and kind of have a show and tell, right? Like, uh, hey, you know, we I created this piece. Here's kind of the story behind it. And, and have a community of artists who collaborate and work together, right? We've got people working with us now who are who are uh, filmmakers and you know cinematographers. Yeah, I was just getting ready to mention most of the people that we're aligned with right now in sword and stuff. I mean, are just they create some amazing content yeah. of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, uh, you know, we we do different things, right? Like we, you know, I've made furniture that's used for you know sacred use, right? For holy. Did you're over here building like altars and pulpits and things for the church and yeah i mean if you go up in our sanctuary right now the pulpit that's up there i I built that you know the the uh the ascended area that the pulpit sits on i I built that you know a lot of the the stuff that's up there like i i built it for for use for in, in holy space you know what i mean or sacred space 
And so we need other people to do that kind of stuff. And so we right. want to kind of create a community where people can do that. And so that's one of the things that we'll, I guess, be talking about more in, Absolutely. The, in the future. So if you guys are excited about that or if you're an artist and you're wanting to be involved with that, maybe, you know, you reach out to us. Uh, you can reach out to us on social media and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there and see what we come up with. But as of right now, it's looking like maybe we're going to, create a type of uh monthly meeting for artists to kind of get some of the stuff out there maybe we'll share that out on on our platforms and stuff like that or maybe we'll create a branch or something for sword and stuff we'll definitely get the information out there yeah so anyway that's kind of exciting that's pretty pretty cool um but anything that stood out to you from the series on re-enchantment that you want to talk about um anything in particular I think the the angelology stuff and the hierarchy was really something that got a lot of people talking, yeah. people that I know, especially yeah. in the occult world. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I guess for me it was the application stuff. Like it, I got to like I knew you know like I knew that stuff coming into it. Yeah, you know. So like, but the application stuff for me, I think was. I don't know. I felt like that it was kind of like a call to arms in some way, yeah. you know, like calling people to like, let's do this. And so it was a good, it was a fun series. I really enjoyed it. And so that takes us into our main topic for today, which is talking about the virtue of hope. Now, some of you may have never heard of the virtues before, but we're going to give you a little quick overview of the virtues. So there are, there's two categories of virtues that the church has kind of talked about. And so the first one, first category is called the cardinal virtues. And cardinal virtues are basically the virtues that everyone has agreed upon that transcends cultures. So like Plato was talking about these virtues. Aristotle was talking about these virtues. Like these aren't just distinctly Christian virtues. And so those are the virtues of wisdom, uh, justice, courage and temperance so basically uh wisdom right which is we need to be wise we need to be prudent right we don't need to be foolish people we need to um we need to think wisely about things discerning rightly between things obviously justice is we need to be people who are about uh what is just what is good in society right those types of things courage obviously is uh, pretty self-explanatory Right, we uh, we need to be people who are courageous. We need to be people who, um, you know, um, people who are uh, brave. You know that kind of thing. And then we've got temperance, which is restraint, which is a lost art, really, in our right, culture yeah. today. Like yep. like restraint. Like we don't. Like sometimes we restrain ourselves. And um, we're self-controlled, right? We we don't get, give in to <clears throat> things like the passions, um, things like that, right? So that's that's important. Um, so people have talked about these for a long time. Okay, now the church um, added three others to this. That's kind of in a separate category, which are called the theological virtues, which are faith, hope, and love. Now everybody knows this, like every, you know, every, like yeah. any woman that's like been to Home Goods or something. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, like they get the thing that says faith, hope, and love. Yeah, right? and so those are the theological virtues. And Saint Paul actually 
refers to these in 1 Corinthians 13.3 where he says these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And he says that love is the greatest of these. Okay, So, um, so I, I think this, here's what I want to say. Um, I think that in some ways, yes, I agree with St. Paul. Like, love, love is the greatest of these. Um, I think in some ways, though, hope undergirds all of these virtues. Right. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll talk about, um, well, we'll, we'll just say this. What is hope? Like, how do we define hope? Well, the Bible talks about hope in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says that faith is being sure of what we hope for. So faith and hope are interrelated, or very related, right? Faith is being sure of what we hope for. So basically, as Christians, what we hope for is that being united to Jesus Christ by faith in his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, we too one day are going to be resurrected as well, right? That's our, that's our hope. So faith is being sure that that is what we're going, what is going to happen to us. That's right. hope. Yep. Right. And so, um, it's, it's kind of this future tense faith in some ways, right? It's the, it's kind of a future tense faith that everything is going to, to work out in some ways. And so I think that in some ways, um, hope, is really the one virtue. I mean, you could say this with with love too, and you know, faith. I think, but but hope in a special way, I think, really undergirds the other virtues. So, for example, why be wise if there's no hope for um, something beyond? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, um, why be wise right now? And I think that's something that we see in our culture today. People are unwise. Because they have no hope. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, live for today because there's nothing after tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing with justice. Like, why be just? Why fight for good whenever there is nothing transcendent awaiting me? Like, at the end of the day, if I'm an atheist and I believe that, I'm going to the same place that Adolf Hitler went at the yeah. last day. Right, we're yep. both going into the ground, right? So why why fight for justice? It's the same thing with courage. Like why be co- courageous today if there's nothing good awaiting me tomorrow? And it's you know it's the same thing with temperance. Like why restrain myself? Like why not turn up the bottle? Right? Yep. Like why not turn up the bottle of port and and you know if there's nothing awaiting me at the greater than, than this moment. Right. So I, you know, I think that if you would have, if you would have said to the ancients, you should have hope. Um, they would have thought that that was crazy. They would have thought that that was ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because you know, they, you know, for, for the Greek or something like that, the greatest thing that's going to await them is you know a part of the underworld, which we're going to talk about here starting yep. next week, um, where you know it's you know it's it's not it's not hell like it's not Tartarus right, but it's not it's not something super special. You know, Elysium 
isn't the the island the island of the blessed where those who are favored with the gods go. You know, so to them, like hope would seem kind of ridiculous in some ways, you know? And so uh, I think that goes to show why hope is so important in some way and, and how it undergirds the others. But now I, I want to talk about this now a little bit more. Like why is hope important? Right. Right. Well, I think that we're being trained in hopelessness. I mean, just think about the world around you right now. Like, just think about our country. Like, think about the news. Think about how everything is right now. We are being trained in hopelessness, right? Like, right now we're we're facing a pandemic that seems like it's never going to end. We're facing, uh, you know, government stuff and, you know, geopolitical things that seem like they're terrible, right? And so it, it seems like we're being trained to become hopeless. And you see a huge rise right now in mental health issues. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, people who are losing hope. And so that's why hope's important. Like, if you don't have hope in this current cultural moment that we're in, you're going to end up in a very difficult spot. And um, it's been a tough season for me, right? This has been a yep. tough season uh, for my family. 2021 has been significantly harder than 2020. Absolutely. 2020 was tough because of, you know, COVID and, you know, all that stuff. We actually got COVID in 2020. But 2021, in a special way for my family, has been difficult. Like, we had – my family had a miscarriage. Yep. Um, we – changes with my job – um, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, there's other stuff surrounding, you know, that too. Just 2021 has just been a difficult year. And so it's kind of like one of those things that sent me back to the roots in some ways. Like, okay, like this has happened, this has happened, this has happened. Um, I could be in a position right now that would be, um, you know, I feel like that if if I hadn't dove into some of this stuff and hadn't been thinking about some of this stuff, I could be in a position that's very dark right now, you know, in, in a season that's very dark. And I'm not saying that it's not, but it's not as dark as it could be, right? Right. Um, but I, I feel like that the one thing that's kept us going as a family is hope, right? Um, hope. Ultimately, hope in Christ and that he is who he says that he is and he will do what he says that he will do, that we will be resurrected and, you know, our loved ones will be resurrected too. And not only will they be resurrected, but we will be resurrected with them. We'll see them again. Right. Um, that's hope, you know. That's, And I feel like that if you don't have that, things are going to be much darker for you than they could be. You see what I'm saying? You know what? Like whenever I look at people who have been through dark seasons, that's that's led to things like suicide and things like that. It seems that the thing that always happens to them is they lose hope. Right? You end up in this season where you just can't possibly see how things are going to work out, how things are going to somehow get better, and you lose hope. And the thing that's 
in the current moment becomes huge, right? And like you see that all the time, like people, you know, make such big choices and in their lives um, over what seems to be such a small thing, right? But what happens is that that person has lost hope. Right. And so hope is essential, right? Um, and ultimately, the the disenchanted worldview that's being put forth in our world right now, it can't give you hope. Right. And it's not going to give you hope. If anything, it's going to continue to give you hopelessness. So, um, so I think <clears throat> this is why, obviously, why being a Christian is very important. Um, if I wasn't a Christian right now, I, I don't know where I would be. Right, and you can see a lot of that reflected in how society at large reacted when COVID hit, when 2012, yeah. 2020 came along. Yeah. I mean, before that, people were just kind of gliding by on autopilot on their daily schedule, get up, go to work, come yeah. home. They never thought about these deeper questions until yeah. the rug got pulled up out from under everybody. Yeah, and... Um, That's really when the big mental health crisis and stuff started, especially with younger, the younger generation. Yeah. You know, um, he actually, uh, I, I have a book here in front of me. It's uh, by an author named Jason Dusing, and it's called Mere Hope, Life in an Age of Cynicism. He actually refers to that very thing that you're talking about there as a type of passive cynicism, yep. right? Where we just kind of glide, like oblivious to everything, numb to everything, as a type of uh, cynicism, passive cynicism. And we've made that into a, a very distinctive art form. As a, yeah. as a culture, as a society today. Yeah, well, he talks about it, that, like, we've made this a virtue. Yep. And it's not a virtue. Hope is a virtue, right? And so, you know, I, like I said, if I, if I wasn't a Christian, I don't know where I would be. If I didn't have the worldview that I have, I don't know where I would be, Um you know, even for as a Christian, for a large part of my Christian life, I feel like that I didn't have a category for hope. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. would become enamored in the moment. You know, in like, you know, you even see this in in training out there today, like mindfulness training, to root yourself in the present moment. Right. Yeah. Well, what happens if my present moment just sucks? Exactly. You know, like what if the what if the present moment that I'm in is just unbearably painful i mean like losing a child right like i mean what is there to root yourself in when it feels like the ground beneath you just gave way so i think this is where the rubber meets the road unless i had i not had hope in something beyond this present moment this would just this season would be unbearable like there's just with not just with the you know the miscarriage part and you know uh, but just the other things added on top of it like changes in jobs and you yeah. know uh, you know all of that type of stuff. There's other stuff too, um, but without all of that, or, or with all of that, I, I just don't know where we would be right now. And so I just want to say, thank God for hope. Exactly. <laughs> like, thank God for hope. Um, uh, I have been surprised by hope in some ways in this season um, because I've come out of this season um, so much more hopeful than, than I thought that I would. And um, 
I remember, you know, whenever my wife and I found out that she, she was miscarrying, um, we, we came out with a sort of hopefulness in some ways. And like, I wasn't expecting that. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and, and it, it's like, where did it, where does it come from? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, because you're in this terrible moment and you don't, you don't, like there's nothing to root yourself in, right? But ultimately what it was is we were rooted in Christ and the hope that comes with Christ and the hope that comes with resurrection right? and the hope that comes with new creation that um, this isn't goodbye. It's see you, it's see you later. And um, yeah, so I think that in some ways if you can grasp a hold of that, like you can you can grieve and you can not only grieve but you can have hope while you're grieving right like the bible talks about that we're not people without hope right that we don't grieve the way that the world grieves actually uh i want to uh well i would find it there's actually a bible verse that talks about this but uh but it, you know saint paul talks about this that we're like we're not people without hope like that we we uh don't grieve the way that the world grieves we we have a living hope. His name is Jesus Christ. He's actually called the live, our living hope, right? And so, um, so yeah, I think that uh, I think that that is the foundation for our hope. And um, you know, there's I have a quote here from John Eldridge uh, that actually talks about this. Um, really good quote. I, I I had a friend send it to me um, like last week, and. It's. I think it was the thing, the catalyst for me, kind of thinking about this in some yeah. ways. But he says this. Um, he says the unknown romancing or the message of the arrows. Okay, which captures the essence of life. He says, should we keep our hearts open to the romance, or concentrate on protecting ourselves from the arrows? It's a good question, right? Um, he said, should we live with hopeful abandon, trusting in a larger story whose ending is good, or should we live in our small stories and glean what we can, uh, glean what we can from the romance while trying to avoid the arrows? Perhaps God, as the author of the story we're all living in, would tilt the scale in favor in a favorable direction, if we would just trust him, and therein lies our dilemma. So the question that really gripped me in this quote was: Should we live with hopeful abandon, trusting in a larger story whose ending is good, or should we live in our small stories and glean what we can from the romance while trying to avoid the arrows? I think that that's how most of us try to live. Right, yeah. We live in our small stories, and we're trying our best to hold on to the good parts and the romance and, and the goodness while avoiding shielding ourselves from the arrows, right? But the reality is this. You're, you're, it's, this is life. Yeah, you hear it all the time. Focus on the good. Yeah, right. You're going to, you're going to get shot with an arrow at some point. Right. It's, it's inevitable. And if that's how you live your life, trying to shield yourself and just focus on your little story, you're going to be without hope. Because what are you going to do whenever you finally get hit with an arrow one day? 
you're you're not gonna you're not gonna have a bigger story to root your littler story in. Right. Right. Like the biggest thing in your life is going to be your little story. And so that's why I've come to the conclusion that we should live with hopeful abandon. Not reckless abandon. Hopeful abandon. And that we should not just um, root ourselves in the larger story. But, um, well, no, that's it. We, we should root ourselves in this larger story. Trusting that even if we do get hit with the arrows of life, um, that things are going to end well. Even if it ends with me going to the grave or you going to the grave or our loved ones going to the grave. That's memento mori, man. Like we're, we're going to die. Yep. Like we Absolutely. need to, we need to embrace that. But you can embrace that if you know that there's more that awaits, that there's hope on the other side, right? Like the undying lands awaits just beyond, right? So I think that that puts us in a position to where, I mean, hope is like the scaffolding that we and the structure that we build our lives on. I mean, it's that hope that there's things beyond the the troubles here in this life and physical death that that forces us to really live in the to begin with. Yeah, yeah, that's that's spot on, and um, yeah, I think that that's that's spot on. Um, I know that people weren't. I wasn't expecting this conversation to be as heavy as it was today. Yeah. But it's it, that's that's reality. I think that the reason why it feels so heavy is because so many of us know that it's true. Like so many of us know that we're prop like we don't have a hopeful view of the world. I mean, just think about the world. The word hope. Like think about what. Like just to show you, we don't have a hopeful view. Think of what the world. Like if I said. I'm, I hope that... Yeah, what do you mean when you hear the word... Somebody say the word yeah, hope. Like, yeah. what do you think about whenever you hear the word hope? Right? Usually whenever you hear, it's something that's not going to happen. Right. It's, it's some kind of disconnected, like, maybe best case scenario. Yeah, it's a type of cynicism in yeah. some ways. Like, if I say, I hope so-and-so is going to do that, usually what I mean is like, eh, odds aren't very good, but I hope that it happens. Right. right? That's not... The There's a very negative, like, connotation to it. Yeah. That's not the type of hope that we're talking about. This is like a a certainty, right? It's a faith in the things that we hope for. Like it's a type of certainty that, that awaits us. So um, so it's different, right? But for most of us, that's what hope is. And that just goes to show you that we're being trained in hopelessness. Right. You have to ask yourself, why? Why do we live in a world that's training us for hopelessness? I don't have the answer to that question. But what I know is we need something different. We need a re-enchanted view of the world. Like we've been talking about for you know a couple months now, right? And and Christianity gives us this re-enchanted, hopeful view of the world. So I'll say this. I think that one of the things that we can do, obviously, <laughs> apart from being Christian and rooting ourselves in the hope that we have, is also recover stories that are hopeful stories. I think that here we go. Yeah. I think time to dive into some Lord of the Rings now. Yeah. I think that Lord of the Rings is one of those stories that is just, there's a lot of hope in it. I mean, you want a daily dose of hope, get a hold of Sam in those stories. Yeah. I think that Samwise, um, you know, Frodo calls him Samwise the brave. Yeah. I think you could call him Samwise the hopeful. 
Absolutely. You know, like you see it, you know, so so often. Like Frodo on the journey, he's breaking down, right? The the ring is heavy, it's weighing on him, or he's exhausted or whatever. And he says to Sam, you know, nothing dampens your spirits, does it? Right? And I think that's so true of Sam. Right. Like he's the hope bringer in the story. And you, you really see it, um, you know, the closer that they get to, to Mount Doom, right? Um, you see it at the end of the two towers, especially in the movie. Like yeah. the movie, there's the rousing speech that he has um, prior to the movie ending where, you know, Fro- like Frodo is just, the ring has just got total control over him. And he's going to give it to the Black Rider, right? And he's, oh, this might be in the extended edition, maybe not the other ones, but, you know, he's he's taking it to the Witch King. And, um, you know, he, you know, Sam, I think, uh, I can't remember, I think he saves him or pulls him down or whatever. And he falls on Sam and he pulls his sword on Sam and he's going to stab him because yep. he just doesn't even know where he's at. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, he talks Sam out of it. You know, he finally recognizes him. And, uh, you know, Frodo just kind of crumples over against uh, you know, part of the building. He's like, I can't, I can't do this. Yes, like, I right. can't do this anymore. Yeah, and Sam's reply is, I know. He says, it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, right? Full of darkness and danger they were, and sometimes you didn't know how they would end. Because how could it end the end? Or sometimes you didn't want to know the end, because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when such bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. That's hope. Absolutely. Right? That's hope. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. Why do they stand out? Because they're, they're stories that have hope. Those are the stories that stick with us, right? I mean, just think about it. Why does Lord of the Rings stay with us? Why does Star Wars stay with us? right? Why, why do all of these stories stick with us? Because they're stories of hope. Even whenever things are at their darkest, there's still the flame of hope that's there. Right. Right. It's very intentional in Frodo and Sam's character building that uh, it's the back and forth between despair and hopelessness and hope, the constant back and forth along the journey. Yeah. He goes on to say, I think I know, I think I know Mr. Frodo. I do understand. I know now that folk in those stories had chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. What are they holding on to? Hope. Right? It's the thing. It's the thing that will keep you going whenever it just feels like that you can't anymore. Right? Like, and so often, so we're so anxious or we're so depressed or we're so fearful. And the reason why is because we are rooted only in the present moment in the current circumstances that we're in, right? And we don't have an eye towards the hopeful future. And so I think that recovering these stories can help train us in hopefulness. Absolutely. Right? And not just that, but also embodying 
these virtues. That's what we're supposed to do with the virtues. Right. We're supposed to embody them, right? Yeah, I think the world even looks at us as Christians with a very kind of weird look when we when we even mention hope because there's a disconnect b- between what we mean by hope and what the world means by hope. That's right. Yeah, I mean, to them, you know, hope... To them, hope is, is just faithless. It has no structure. It's uh, based on chaos. Like, we hope that the chaos that unfolds is fortunate in our, in our favor. Yeah, yeah. You know, biblical hope is, is scoffed at or ignored, Jason right. Ducing says here. Yep. And it's true. And you can understand why. Like, why Like why would people who are nihilistic have hope? Exactly. Like, pe- what people who have been trained that there's no God, that there's nothing at the end of this thing except dirt and worms. Why would you have hope? Why wouldn't you be anxious? Why wouldn't you be depressed? Like, why wouldn't you be? Here's the reality. We're, we're terrible at making our own meaning. You hear people all the, time, all the time say, you make your own meaning. The reality is we suck at it. Right. Right. We suck at making our own meaning. We have to have meaning imposed from outside of us. Right. And so, um, you know, I think that in some ways this is, this is re- really what Jesus is getting at whenever he's, you know, in the Gospels talking to his disciples about anxiety. You know, he He's telling me, he says, you know, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Well, why shouldn't we be anxious about tomorrow, right? Like what we're going to eat, like what we're going to drink, like what we're going to wear. Why, sh- why shouldn't we? His answer is that's what the pagans do. Right. What do the <clears throat> pagans do? They have no hope, right? M- maybe there's a God. Maybe there's not. But even if there is, he doesn't really care about us. Right. And the ones that he do care, he does care about or they do care about, you can count them on one hand, right? There's only a few that's going to the Isles of the Blessed right. in, in the Greek world. He says, that's what the pagans do. He says, but your father, who is in heaven, he knows what you need before you even ask it. He's like, look at the, look at the flowers, right? And he's like, look how beautiful they are. Even Solomon wasn't as dressed as beautifully as these, right? He's like, look at the birds, right? God's provided for them, right? And he's like, how much more value are you than they, O oh, you of little faith? Or you could say it this way, since faith and hope are so closely aligned and they really are synonymous, O oh, you of little hope, how much more value are you than they? Right. So I, I think Yeah, that, there is no true hope without faith. Yeah. They go they go together, right? Absolutely. Faith, faith is you know, it's the substance of what we're hoping for. Like that, the Bible actually talks about that. Faith is right. the, the, the substance, you know. Um, that's what it is, right? They, they are synonymous. You know, hope is just a future-oriented, future tense of faith. So they, they are synonymous. So you could, it's like uh, what happens is we start to live in a world without hope. And then we become anxious. We become depressed. We become all these things, and God's answer to us is we don't live that way. We don't live as as pagans. He loves us. He cares for us. He cares for us more than all this other stuff, and so he's going to provide for us, right? So I think that's Jesus' answer to a lot of this. Right. You know, St. Augustine, you know, he famously says, 
our hearts are restless until they finally rest in God. I think that's true of, of hope as well. Our, our hearts are hopeless until they find their hope in God. Right. So <clears throat> I guess that's the application for today. I mean, this generation coming up today, they're being raised in a spiritual vacuum. I mean, they're coming on, on the heels of the biggest atheist movement that we've we've seen in generations. Yeah. And now they're moving from, okay, there is no God, there is no meaning to everything, to they see meaning, they see there's higher truth, but they don't know where to find it. Yeah. So a lot of them end up looking to paganism. Right. That's you know? exactly where the rise in paganism comes from today. Yeah. You, you have this meaning crisis. You have this hope crisis. And so we have to look to something transcendent, right? Like this is the most uncharged generation. Like the, most most kids being raised today, they have no connections or ties to the church anymore. Yeah. So they're being raised in a, a hopeless environment. So when life comes along like 2020 did, they, they that's why the mental health crisis kicked off. They have they had nowhere to take it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen so many posts about like lockdowns and just how unbearable they were because it seemed like there was no end in sight. Oh yeah. Right. It seemed like that we were never going to go back to normal. I watched interviews the other day with parents who have lost their uh, teens and preteens to to suicide in just record numbers in the past two years because of this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's because we're not only have we been trained in in hopelessness, but our children are being trained in hopelessness. You know, it's a it's a pandemic, right? Yeah. So here's what we would say to you guys today. Um, we would say to you the the words of Samwise the Hopeful. Samwise the Hopeful. Right. Uh, in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. This moment that we're living in right now, it, it will pass. We don't know when, but I promise you, it will. It will pass. And it says a new day will come. And when the shine, sun shines, it will shine out all the clearer. And that's what will happen here with this. The sun will shine again, and it will shine out all the clearer. And they kept going because they were holding on to something, that there was some things worth fighting for. Right. That's, that's true today. We need to be holding on to something, right? We need to have something to fight for that gives us hope. And if you're not a Christian, you know we're praying for you. We We believe that what we're talking about here can give you true hope, right? Faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, for your sins, but not only for the forgiveness of your sins, but but also for, for your resurrection as well. Because whenever we trust in Jesus, we're united to him, right? That's, that's the whole bride and groom language in the scriptures, right. right? Like two become one. And what's true of him becomes true of us, right? That he rose from the dead. And we will one day as well. So, well, so I, this this just been a really great way to end the season and series on reenchantment. I mean, because that's really what reenchantment. Our goal with it was was yeah. hope. Yeah, yeah, hope. Give you a different way of looking at the world, one that's not cold and and sterile and hopeless, right? right? But one that's reenchanted and full of hopefulness. So we hope that we've given you that, guys. Uh, we are we hope that we've given that to you guys and we hope that well you have hope 
Exactly. We'll, we'll say it that way. All right. So as we wrap up um, today's Chinwag episode, I want to say that we're going to be back next week with an episode on the underworld. We're going to be starting our October series. And so we're going to be doing, that's going to be a two-part series. And then we've got uh, other things coming as well. We've got the interview with Ward from Dark Holler. And then we've also got the episode coming from Point Pleasant that we're going to talk about. And uh, we've got Shadow Appalachia dropping. And then we've got an episode on Is Halloween Pagan? So that should be all fun. And so we hope that you guys are looking forward to that. We're looking forward to sharing that with you. And so... Well, Richie, if you got anything else, if you don't have anything else, then we'll go ahead and head on off. I'm good. All right, guys. Well, if there's something you'd like for us to discuss on a future chinwag, feel free to send that to us on social media or at orderofthesordandstaff at gmail.com. Also, head on over to our Patreon and become a patron. Get the Sword and Staff uncut. Get the episodes earlier at www.patreon.com backslash sword and staff order. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.